So Logan makes it back onto Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, and I'm going to do this intro just like I was Logan. Yeah, it would sound something like that. But we're trying to get him talking, and it's working a little bit. We also talk about motorcycles and motorcycle-related products. We touch on the finer aspects of suspension, how to diagnose some problems, and then we uh, take a stab at solving everybody else's problems. But ours are worse, I guess. I didn't light anything on fire, and we had a nice session of middle-of-the-road rooster endo. So enjoy our sponsors, enjoy our show, and we'll see you in this episode. Tech Talk Taco Tuesday is brought to you by Yamaha, Taco Moto, Scott Sports, Climb, DDC, Trail Tech. You can also help us out by shopping through our Amazon and Rocky Mountain MC links on our website. And don't forget to check out Costa Rica Unlimited for great off-road riding and amazing places. It's Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, your favorite show, I think. I don't know. If you're watching it, that's your fault. My name is Jimmy Lewis. I'm here with uh, well, Back from the Dead, mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, uh, Logan Tyler, who is um, exhausted and nauseous. Mm-hmm. Nauseous? I don't know. You don't know, but you don't feel good. Yeah. Right now, currently. Currently. So you're suffering this out. Mm-hmm. You're just going to tough it out and kick it in the ass. We don't know what he has, but um, we've, we've, we've been under the impression by medical professionals mm-hmm. that you have long haulers COVID syndrome. I have COVID antibodies. So Is that, I had COVID. You had COVID. Mm-hmm. You, you have the antibodies. Mm-hmm. So that means you're immune to it now. Yeah. Sort of. Sort of. But they've, they've, they've disgraced over the road, long haul truckers by associating that name with COVID. Okay. So, so you should feel like you're really sticking it to the truck drivers out there by using that name. Uh, just what's this, just what's wanted this you about? to know. <laughs> it's about why Logan hasn't been here and leaving me hanging. I have to get co-hosts yeah. like George. who's like really that guy. Yeah. Yeah, he steals he steals my voice Matron. George loves this, but he can't have it. Um and uh and he like the show was so bad last time I had to spill holy water on the table and light fires, incense and stuff, candles and things. Okay. It was it was getting pretty cryptic here. But that's what happens when you stop drinking, I guess, huh, Logan? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh welcome to the show. This is the show where we talk about what? Dirt bikes and dirt bike related products. Correct. And it's brought to you by? Uh, you don't know? You don't remember anymore? It's the tours place. The tours place. Yeah. The t- <laughs> <laughs> Man, a couple Costa weeks. Costa Rica Unlimited. Costa Rica Unlimited. Yes. That's one yeah. of our new sponsors. Uh, that's not the main sponsor. No. Yamaha is the uh, is the main sponsor currently. Uh, Taco Moto Co. That's tacomoto.co. Scott Sports, makers of awesome goggles, as you well know. Climb, awesome gear. They have new backpacks, by the way. If you need a backpack, uh, get it now because they'll be sold out really quick. It's the backpacks that I wear. Um, I use the smaller, the 15, um, and they make a 30, which is a big, big boy for longer adventures. DDC Sprockets, our first uh, our first sponsor. I actually need to call Nate because I got a 
I got a little something something today, which brought my uh, list of bikes up to three that don't have uh, DDC sprockets on the rear wheels. And this one is even more problematic because it had a 51 tooth and I don't go 51. I just mm-hmm. don't do. Didn't have the had 51s. Another, it had another big issue too, didn't it? Oh, we'll get into that. <laughs> and then uh, trail tech. And I just mounted two Voyager pros on my KTM 500s that I'm taking up to ride in secret locations for the next few days. So I'm going to go off the grid and disappear. So I'm excited. I'm just going to leave right after the show, right after I, do all the stuff I was supposed to do during the day when that I didn't get done. So why don't you talk about some Yamaha four strokes right here? See if you can do this <clears throat> announcer voice. I don't care if you got COVID. Um, Are you spinning like spinning like dizzy? No, no stomach, general stomach. Yeah. You need to eat. You're growing. You need to put on some pounds. So, okay. Tell us about Yamaha's. Four motocross riders driven to dominate the Yamaha YZ line of four-stroke bikes are built for victory. Visit YamahaMotorsports.com today to explore what's new and improved for 2022. The YZ450F and the YZ250F bring the performance with powerful four-stroke engines, reduced unsprung weight, and new suspension settings. For the all for the look of a full factory ride, both the YZ450F and YZ250F 250F come in exclusive Monster Energy Yamaha Racing Edition graphic packages. And you can take precision tunability to the next level with the Yamaha exclusive and industry only free power tuner app. Visit YamahaMotorsports.com today. Find what's find your Yamaha YZ and enter Victory Zone. Not bad. I was distracted while I was doing it. Did you do a good job? I'm trying to put up a post in the EXCFE performance and tech talk group on the Facebooks. So because this is what I'm going to do on this show. Mm-hmm. So we have we have a few questions um, and I'll answer those ones. But I'm going to give these guys. So so I, I, I glance at this form all the time and there's generally some pretty good questions. There's some. Yeah, you really should have known. But then again. Mm-hmm. I don't think you really should have known because how would you know if nobody would tell you, but you're asking this question. And most of the times on those questions specifically, the guy that doesn't know gets bombarded with 16 answers of varying degrees of correctness. And so, and even on some of the technical questions, you get 22 different versions of this is the, this is the way. Right. And I, I sometimes sometimes I, I want to answer, but then I go, geez, 25 r- responses. Mm-hmm. This guy must have the answer by now. Mm-hmm. I don't need to bother. But then I, I, I went through and looked at one of them not too long ago. And I just go, holy crap. Like, there's 10 really bad answers in here. Like right. 10 things you should not do. And if if this guy doesn't know, mm-hmm. how how would he know? And and not that not that my answer is is the gospel, Logan. Do you know how to make like um, you know those sounds when like the the rays come out of the the clouds and it sounds like God's doing that? Ask the producer. The angels singing. Yeah, the angels singing. Yeah, yeah. you you, sh- you should start doing that when I start going on one of these rants. <laughs> or you could just say shut up, Jimmy. Uh, but anyways, what, what was it we came up with the last class? The cover the ears or didn't the, work, did it? No, no, we tried it, and you were you were all off riding. So distracted. Yeah, I'm in. A, I get in a mind of my own. You are so, too so, busy riding. So, anyways, I'm gonna I'm gonna put up a post in that group right now, 
and and I'm going to, uh, and if you, so here's what I'm going to do. If you're listening and Jim, I'm going to get to your question too. If you're listening and watching live right now, if you come into the chat room and we'll see all of them and you start your question with, excuse me, mm-hmm. just put, excuse me. And then ask your question, just, just like you did. You can cut and paste it from your, from your other posts. You ask your question. I'll get right to it. We'll cut, we'll cut right to it. As long as I'm not busy answering another question. Right. right. We'll cut right to your question and we'll, and I'm just going to give you the answer. I'm going to write this down for uh, next week too. And then you, and then you can see if my answer is it. You, I'm hoping that like three of the answers would be the same as mine. That good. And then, and then you can kind of, at least you can kind of say, I have nothing to gain from it except for my ego sitting here making the show better. Mm -hmm. And, and to deliver some good information to other people that might have the same question. Cause then you have your, your 250 lurkers that looked at that post that don't know which is the right answer either. And they're and, and everybody's afraid to say anything, by the way, I'm not afraid to say anything. So, so I will. So Logan, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to get rid of this Yamaha two stroke read real quick. You hit the, you hit the, the YZ 125 read and I'm going to keep typing here. And then we can, we almost we can almost have a commercial free show, except I got some more commercials. Let's say we have the ad break. Yeah, experience pure performance and exhilarating power with the full line of Yamaha two, YZ two stroke bikes. Visit yamahamotorsports.com today to explore what's new and new for 2022. The re-revised YZ125 makes for the perfect step-up machine, featuring all-new engine, revised six-speed transmission, new brakes and suspension settings, improved rider ergonomics with new aggressive styling, and more. The YZ250 also delivers improved rider ergonomics, new front and rear brakes, updated suspension settings, and aggressive styling. For a truly race-inspired look, check out the YZ250 and YZ125 Monster Energy Yamaha Racing Editions. And for the next generation of riders, the YZ65, YZ85, and YZ85LW deliver big bike specs, and a smaller package. Visit yamahamotorsports.com find your Yamaha YZ and enter Victory Zone today. I got it done. I posted it. Hey, we have YZ85 impressions from kids on our website right now and uh, on YouTube as well, yeah? YouTube, yeah. Website. It's mm-hmm. all over the place. So, dirtbiketest.com Hey, if you uh, also want to support this show, so if you're one of those guys that like, um, you know, you know, we just babble and you just got the first 10 minutes of the show is horrible and you figure out how far to skip. I'm going to, I'm going to stop saying everything I say. I'm going to put it like, I'm going to put it in the next, I'm going to go for five minutes and then, and then I put it later. So they have to listen to it because they have to, they have to know how to support us. Right. <laughs> hey, if you're, if you're listening to this as a podcast, poke yourself in the eye and then remember when you wonder why it hurts to subscribe to us, wherever you can find us. That's a good bit of information, right? Logan. Um, okay. Costa Rica unlimited great off-road riding an amazing country on new gas, gas and cane TM two and four strokes with us guides who've been hosting tour groups for over a decade. Uh, go to Costa Rica unlimited.com, uh, search them on the internet. There's some pretty cool videos of other people that have been down there and done it. So Jim Jarbus says, we know you love the Parker DT out there. How about Kenda front for the East Coast? Rocks, roots, not much mud. Um, so I, you know, 
the Parker is not that good when it gets muddy, uh, but it's not bad. In fact, it's the, what I really like about it is the brakes, the way it works on the brakes. It's still pretty good, but I would go to the newer uh, Washougal is what I would run. So there's the Washougal and then there is the Millville. I think, I think the Millville's the the intermediate. Am I right, Logan? Do you know? I've seen both of those. So, so the Millville, it's kind of funny because they both work. They, they're both kind of work the same, even though one's a little bit supposed to be a little bit softer than the other, as far as terrain goes. But every rider tends to find a little bit different performance in the way that the sidewalls grab on the, on the ruts and stuff like that. So I think they're kind of the same tire overall, but they have different characters in, in, uh, in ruts and turns. So, uh, that's the, uh, that's the answer to that. Hey, we got an excuse me question. Look at that. Yeah. Popped right up. Trey Thompson, excuse me, not my question, but it was posted tons of conflicting answers. And I'm curious too, what's the consensus on pulling the reads and other emission stuff, performance gains or no eliminating a potential fill point or no. So Trey, you, <laughs> you've come to the, it depends on what you want to hear. This is, this is a, this is a really subjective answer. My personal bikes that have reeds in them, including my 500, still have reeds in them. Okay. And I'm riding in the desert and sometimes I ride my bikes really fast. So that's the answer. The one thing I absolutely, I always absolutely do is at the end of your stock muffler, there's a little perforated screen. I tend to bust that out. It's not the spark arrestor. It's just the screen on the very, very end of the muffler. If I'm running a stock muffler, which I don't always do, I pop that out. Then I don't do anything else. That's that's it for um, my quote uh, desmogging or emissions or whatever. But specifically to get back to the reads. So on the on the 250 and the 350 they don't really limit the power until you're way up in the RPM. And when I watch eh, 95% of the people I ride, they never ride it in an RPM range where they're, where they're, where their power would be limited on the 500. It doesn't take that much. You get up into seven, 8,000 RPM, six, seven, eight, and you're probably seeing some sort of a restriction or reduction in power. But in the RPM ranges where most people ride, when I ride the bikes there, and I ride the bikes in those RPM ranges too, believe it or not, I feel a, a significant increase in torque. And, and I feel like I get um, better wrist, torque per wrist movement is the way I would like to describe it. And, and the rideability is really good. When you take the reeds out, when you just remove them and you don't do much else, it seems like that it seems like they they lose they lose a little bit of throttle response. Like it, it's almost like your your pilot jet is went off. I actually wouldn't even call it pilot jet. It's almost like your needle is a clip off, uh, sort of in the lean side and then rich, even though it's a fuel injected bike. So so right when you right when you crack it. It seems like it gets lean and then it and then it acts rich, which I don't mind the part where it acts rich. I have to, I mind the part where it acts lean. So so I have seen the reeds uh, come dislodged 
in the inside of the intake track. And usually it was and from most times it was usually after somebody did something like remove the shock or or jostled something around. But I've seen the reeds come loose and just kind of be kind of stuck in there, maybe further restricting um, the, the flow. But uh, this actually happened on my 350 after I was doing some shock testing. And I, when I did the air filter, I go, well, the reeds knocked loose. But my reed had been pulled out for some other testing and it wasn't I don't know if it was reinstalled properly or glued or however it was. And that that was on one of my bikes. But uh, my my reeds are still in there. Um, if you if you can. If you can take away what you're hearing and rely on what you're feeling and you, you do some back to back and you, know, you can it's really easy to pop those things in and out. Um, you can find for yourself. But uh, you, and, but if you do pull them, you will get more peak power. There's no doubt about it um, on pretty much every one of those bikes. And but it they don't they don't seem to carburetor and run as good. If you start going to completely different ECUs, those are probably tuned and designed to run without the reeds. And unless I've tested that ECU with that reed setup and stuff, I can't really speak to it. But I still in all the different all of the different ones that I've tried, all the different vortexes and all the different gets and 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 the and I have not tried some of the other ones. I've tried some reflashed ECUs. Typically, none of them have the same um, drivability. Is I don't want to say throttle response because that gets confusing, but they don't have the same drivability as the standard ones. And I have a vortex on one of my 500s because one of my ECU ECUs went bad, and so I had to switch it and. I've been playing with that thing, trying to, you know, with the clicks and trying the, all the different maps and uh, trying to get it to, 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 to work as good down low as the, the stock one. I promise you from mid range on up, you know, upper mid on up, it, it kills the stock ECU, but I don't really ride it up there that much, you know, just, uh, yeah. So excuse you <laughs> excuse me for not uh, going uh, going with the norm but i so on most of my bikes i put a slip-on muffler on them a quiet slip-on muffler uh just mostly for 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 less heat and then and then my go-to is to run a piggyback um ecu tuner on the older bikes on the newer bikes they don't work because the bike tries to make adjustments back to it and i haven't played around with my new bikes i'm kind of happy with the way they're running the way they are so i have a 19 and a 20 that i they they have they have fmfqs on them and that's it so i uh, hope that uh hope that answers it d anderson says you want to read it logan you know that's kind of what your job is i i know i know you're you know, on re in recovery, but I, I was thinking maybe you'd come back stronger, like more talkative or something. Yeah, I think you, he's still on the mend, though. Yeah. Well, you just pretend like you're fixed. Just it's all in your head, by the way. That's what they used to tell me at the riding schools or every doctors, at doctors, riding schools. Yeah, they say anything that was wrong with me is all in my head until my toe was falling off, and they go, "No, we have to go to the doctor." And they put my toe back on and I'm good. So it's all in my head. Okay. Next question. D Anderson. What would be the best way to experience Baja for the first time on a bike and get the most out of the trip? Pay big money for guided multi-day trips or wing it with your buddies. Uh, I have a really strong opinion on this too. <laughs> if it's your first time, I would, I would pay the money and go on a, go on a tour, to be honest with you. Um, knowing, 
uh, when I when I listen to the to the stories, because I have lots of friends who have done it all different ways, and sometimes they go with their buddy who who you know knows Baja and knows everything about Baja. Well, he's also not a professional tour guide. And how much does he really know? I'm I'm not sure. If he knew a lot, he'd probably be getting paid for taking people down there. But I would go on a I would I would go on a tour if you really wanted to go down there. Um, these people know the places to go. They they know where it's safe, and that's 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 a little bit of an issue as well. They they kind of know how to just stay away from trouble, and it's just like anything if you, if you don't know the kind of the rules. But I would uh, I would do that, and and uh, my favorite my favorite tour group down there is Baja Bound, which is my buddy Tim Morton who it's runs Baja Bound Moto. Baja Bound. What did I say? No, it's Baja Bound Moto. Baja Bound Moto. Yeah, yeah I said Baja Bound, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's Baja Bound Moto. Well, ba- there's Baja Bound Insurance. No, I'm just saying Tim's <laughs> company is Baja Bound Moto. Okay. So it's anyways, Baja Bound Moto Tours. And uh but uh, he's been doing it forever and uh good good guy and they they they're really good at, you know, figuring out where you're at with your riding ability and putting you in the right group and stuff like that. So I, and and I don't really think in the grand scheme of things it's it's big money. Uh, I've looked at the prices and I'm I'm well I know I know how they can do it because they're doing it in Mexico because you can't do guided stuff up here for anywhere near close to that day rate, uh, for instance. So that's uh, that's what I would do. Or you could pay Logan to take you. I don't know anything just about just pretend Baja. just pretend like you do and just take his money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next question. Facebook user with a power commander from Takamoto and Fastway and should I take my reads out 350 EXE I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I would you know like I said they're pretty easy to get in and out. So I would put it all together and leave it in. And then, and then ride it and do something where it's, don't just go down the street and whack the throttle wide open. Find a nice, loose, rocky hill. Find the stuff that you ride on and ride a little bit of it and come back and pop that reed out and then ride it again and see how it works. Um, I don't know exactly how the power commander works, where it's getting its information from, how it's, how its maps are set. Um, I know I have a power commander on my KTM 1090 and I haven't played with it, paid, played with it enough um, to, to really fully understand it. And in fact, that was one of my projects on my list. I was actually going to go in there and um, take it off. Cause I actually, somebody sent me a different ECU that they wanted me to test. So yeah. Um, but when you when you take your when you take your reads out, you're going to look in there and you're going to go, oh, my God, there's no way. I mean, if I take this out, it's going to be so much better. Well, if if you find that it's you think it's so much better, then I would actually try to go to the whole different intake boot that would that would be even another level of of better. And then you might but you might have to do some tuning. So, um, yeah, try it both ways. And it, and it really depends on how it was set up. Generally, if, if, if I, I would, I think that Takamoto, I think he has some sort of a sheet that tells you kind of how things are set up. If you do this and this, then you should do this and, and those kind of things, or you can definitely call them and ask them. They should, they should know this kind of stuff. 
Um, and they will probably tell you to take the reeds out because they want you to have more power. And I want you to have a more rideable bike. And that's why I leave my reeds in. <laughs> so, okay. Onto our sheet. You got our sheet or are you going to have to read off of this? Do you want to do the first one? Okay. Oh yeah. The first one is, is a long one. Oh wow. Yeah. You, but you said specifically include it in TTTT. Right. I know. I want to, uh, yeah, because I can, I can, because uh, I can answer nine out of 10 questions thrown at me without referring to a reference manual. Well, this one is like 10 questions. Hey, so if you want to know how to support us, this is the, since you skipped in, since you skipped and you just wanted to get to the meat of the show, this is some of that junky stuff. So start pushing that plus 10 or plus 30 right now. Uh, Amazon, we have links on the bottom of our fresh dirt stories. And if you shop through Amazon through one of our links, we get a little cut. So next time you're buying truck tires or stereo equipment or iPhones or all that stuff, I bought a impact hammer, like a, like a, like a thing, a chisel, like a, mm -hmm. my friend told me, uh, Dave Donatoni, tough guy tile. He said, every man should own one of these. So I actually, I, I looked at the Makita one and like, like it was like seven, 700 bucks. I'm like, man. And so I said, I'm just going to go check. I'm just going to do an Amazon search. And so I found the, 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 you know, it, was a, it said USA power tools, of course, which is made in China. And I, so I bought the, I bought the, the, basically for 200, I got the tool and a bunch of bits. And I, so I went out and tested it, cracked some rocks and half thing works. I'm pretty, pretty happy. So I, you know, I, I made a, we, 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 all of us, we got a little kickback from that. So when you're buying your uh, big power tools um, on Amazon, think about us. And also we have links to Rocky Mountain ATV MC, where if you need anything for your motorcycle, they probably have it. They have super fast shipping stuff gets there. Uh, click through on our links. Same thing on the website. There's a banner and there's little banners on the, sh on the um, tests and stuff like that where you can click through there and then we get a little cut of that helps keep us in business. If you like to call this a business, what do you think of the, the studio upgrades? Do you notice that? The, yeah, the little, yeah, I'm going to hide the chat really quick from everyone so they can see the new picture. Oh, it's yeah. covered by the chat. Yeah. So I, I just took the chat down. So it looks pretty cool up there. Yeah. So that's, that's the painting. Uh, my buddy Ryan Hannah made that a couple of years ago. Uh, it's pretty awesome. It's all the Americans that have been on the uh, podium in Dakar. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. And, uh, and super, super cool. He's had that for a while. Um, and he, he bartered with me a little bit. He, he used to teach at the school mm -hmm. and he's, he's going, uh, van life, trailer life, him and his girlfriend. Yeah. And they're coming down here for the next school. So he, he kind of, I, I think he's coming to the next school or mm -hmm. one of the schools and he uh, bartered himself into the class with that uh, nice. particular thing. So not only is he working, uh -huh. he's, he's uh, getting a class for his girlfriend, which uh, <laughs> if you're interested in training, Hey, we have one open spot this weekend. So if you're in the um, near the prump world and you want a two day class, you want to be a better rider in two short days, uh, check us out. www.jimmylewisoffroad.com. That's how I support my life. Okay. So Lad asks, Hey Jimmy, I heard about your podcast this week during those plastic blocks that wedge between the front tire and fender to minimize spring stress over a long period of time. Here's my two cents worth after spending more than four years dealing with huge spring that supports over 800 pound robot gantry, which is basically the part of the robot that moves up and down. So Lad listened to the show last time. And I'm pretty sure he's going to tell me I'm an idiot. 
because he is an expert at this. And I, I have no problem uh, taking this if this is in fact uh, what he's going to tell me. But I kind of, I saw this and yeah. I didn't, I didn't read through it. I just forwarded it to you because I wanted to just go ahead and read this. Well, I didn't read through the whole thing either. Um, so anyways, uh, here's my two cents worth. Um, even a correctly designed and processed spring loses force over time. The force losses about three to 5% over the life of a correctly designed spring. This is like engineering stuff mm -hmm. too. So he sounds like he definitely had, you know, knows, and he took the time to do this. The loss of spring forth is logarith log logarithmic, almost a symptom. Eric, you get to say this word, Logan. Say it. A, it's a. Asymptic. Asymptic? No, it's not mm -hmm. asymptomatic. It's, it sounds like a. Asymptom tick. Maybe he misspelled it. Maybe he's, he's as good at spelling as I am. Um, what this means is the spring force decays. Asymptotic? Nope. The spring force decays pretty quickly at first. Then over a period of time, it will somewhat stabilize, but not totally. The spring force losses get less as time goes on. This is why old cars still need to have their springs changed later in life. So it's kind of funny because when, when we were talking about all the spring stuff, the last time I, I, I got, I remember when we got done, I'm like, I didn't talk about how important it is to break your springs in, you know, when mm -hmm. your bike's brand new, you, you, and that's what he's kind of talking about here is that springs do break in, in the beginning that the, they lose force, um, uh, quickly so force decay means the spring force becomes less when compared to a given height this force decay is caused by the free length of the spring becoming shorter over time while under stress spring force is defined by Huxley Huxley. law yeah. yeah there's a misspelling there um which says spring force equals the spring constant k okay so he gets into the formulas here which oh, yeah. we, we don't need to go into no, no i actually know this i like spring i had to do a lot of work with hooks actually in in college. Matt wants to hear formulas. I do want to hear this, actually. No, keep this going. No. Nobody else, nobody else wants to hear this. But it's cool. It's interesting. Look at Logan already picked up his phone and started typing away. He's looking at pictures of girls on TikTok. Right? No, I'm... Hey, when are you going to bring some stuff for our for our wall? You know, I put new stuff up there. When are you going to bring something in? You got some stuff? I got like 90 piston heads that are blown up. No, I don't want... You no, know, maybe yeah. one. Yeah, you put one. What about what about like um you know like panties and bras that you you kind of can't you can't put those on display at your house right? No. From all your girlfriends. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we go back to the springs. Uh, <laughs> so, so anyways, he said he witnessed uh, this during his testing of free length of a spring, compressed it with a force gauge, recorded the force dropping over time while the spring was compressed, then measured the spring free length after the test, and yep, it shrank. But when I took the same spring and measured it again after it sat on a shelf in a free state for days or months, it worked its way back to the original length and unratcheted itself. So, so we were basically the question came. We were talking about tying. Does tying a motorcycle down for a long period of time hurt your your springs? And so this is kind of indicating that in his experience, that once you unratchet it it will actually bring itself back to over time, over yeah. time. It'll bring itself back. So he said, with that said, I assume suspension vendors know a lot more about manufacturing springs than I do. So their springs are correctly designed 
the act of tying a motorcycle down by the handlebars will do negligible harm to the spring since most of the spring forest decay happened early in the spring's life. Hey, wait, that's kind of what I said in the show. Was it? Yes. Huh. I, I didn't talk about the early in life. I mean, the break in, but I did say it's I, I've never noticed it change anything. Right. So if you're interested, here are some things to consider for a properly designed and manufactured spring. Um, and this is some interesting stuff. When a spring is coiled, it's super important to stress relieve the spring after the coiling process. The coiling process causes undesired stresses in the spring materials, causing a spring to be unstable. These stresses are points of potential energy that could cause the spring to lose shape. Typically, if the spring is coiled, then thrown down into an oven to normalize stress or relieve the bad residual stress. So, heat treated. Um Soon after the spring stresses leave, it is important to add good residual stress. This is done by setting the spring. Setting the spring means compressing the spring to a solid height relatively quickly. This causes the desirable residual stresses similar to how a pre-stressed concrete bridge works. These desirable residual stresses cause the spring to be stressed like its free length, but subtract from the overall stress of the spring like in a compressed state. So like pre-stressed concrete with wire rods in place. So anyways, there's more of that. You got all that figured out? I'm taking notes. Watching Victor's comments. He must have been oh. allowed back on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, Victor, I want to hear about springs too. My mattress is getting weak at the edge of the bed. Hmm. <laughs> uh after setting a spring, it is then desirable to shot pee in the spring. This involves shooting the surface of the spring with hard material that puts slight dents in the surface of the spring. This helps greatly reduce the fatigue life of the spring, the time it takes the spring to fail. And this denting of the spring surface prevents cracking at the surface to form, which is a fatigue failure factor. So cracks are bad. And Bob is raising his hand instead of just blurting out, which is, I appreciate this. The, I didn't... The, okay. the spring maker is, is has any certifications or puts it on a vehicle of any kind. Right. The KTM is ISO certified, so that the springs that they buy or make are made to an ISO process. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yep. 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 We understand. Got this. It, they're hard for them to hear you too. By the way, when you talk, well, I literally have to repeat most of the stuff you say, and then I put my spin on it. Um, Coiled springs are actually tension bars, torsion bars. Like a torsion bar, the stress is caused by the spring wire twisting as it gets compressed. The maximum torsional stress happens at the inside of the coils. I can show you some math, but not sure how helpful that would be. Uh, Matt's like drooling over there. He's like, show me math. I actually just emailed this guy. I want to see the math for this. Oh, good grief. Well, it's been a while. Like I, I've actually kind of been missing my phys my physics classes. Okay, so I wouldn't mind seeing this math. Seeing this math, I'd like to calculate the stresses that Victor's bed is seeing. <laughs> well, he has hook. Well, we just told him what Hooke's law is, so he can calculate it if he wants to find the spring constant. Okay, um, here's some other here's some other questions for you, there, Logan. Let's see. Check out the big brain on Matt. Yeah. Hey, Jimmy, do you have any tips or tricks that you picked up to help with kickstarting, specifically a cold bike? Thanks. Yes, uh, Noah, I um, tend to buy electric start bikes, which completely eliminates that problem uh, whatsoever. 
I hope that was helpful. And grow tall and be strong. We'll help a little bit. No, you can be a shrimp and you can be weak. And all you do is just push the button like everybody else. They fire right up. It's amazing. That. I got some. And if you want practice, I've got some bikes that have batteries in them that are kind of weak. And then you have to give them a kick assist. So it's like it's like doing half kick starting. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then when they go completely dead, then you get to kick and push the extra weighted electric starter over, which is a kind of thing. But um, no, I'm just joking. No. <laughs> um, so. So, yes, uh, most bikes I found two stroke or four like to be started from just past top dead center. And so if you don't know what top dead center is, it's when the piston goes up in the compression stroke. And this is important on a four stroke. It happens every time on a two stroke and it gets harder and harder to push. And all of a sudden it gets it. It goes past top dead center and it gets easy to push. You want to put it right up to that point and then take all your weight off the Kickstarter, bring it all the way back up and then get a nice, smooth, long kick. You don't you don't want to try to push it super hard. You want to make it a nice, smooth kick and then and then kind of figure out the arc of the of the Kickstarter as well and figure out how you're going to best position yourself so that you can so that you can get that full kick. And a lot of times shorter riders have a hard time, you know, because they have a hard time getting their foot, you know, down to the bottom of the stroke. And most bikes are engineered to make the to make it turn over just enough times to get it to start. So, and not too many, because if it turns over too many times, the leverage ratio is wrong and it's really hard to push down. Um, so if a bike is cold, then it depends on how cold, because if your oil is thick, well, there's not a lot you can do about this. Um, you know, sometimes uh, I have found if a bike is a little bit reluctant or hard to start, lay it over on its side. So turn the gas on, Lay it over on its side and wait till a little bit of gas spills out the overflows, then pick the bike up and then with the choke on, then kick. And and at that point, what you've done is you've sort of primed it a little bit so that that oil spilling, the gas spilling out, the stuff you spill out in the ground, some of it also spills into the uh, needle, the nozzle, into the needle jet. Some of it spills out the pilot jet and you get a little bit extra gas in there. If you have a bike that has a pumper carb on it, like an older four-stroke that has a pumper carb, if you just pump the throttle five or six times, that will squirt some gas in there. Some And every bike's different. Some are two, some are five, and it just depends on the bike. Uh, that will help. Or park and always stop on top of a hill, buy a house on top of a hill, and then you can always push down. See, we're flat around here, and I have an Osa that doesn't like to start. And so that bike no longer lives here. I took it up in the mountains where I have a cabin that it's downhill. And now the bike starts every time because it a bump start. So I take my own advice sometimes. Right, Logan? Mm-hmm. Do you take my advice? Yeah. Sometimes. Well, not if it's with computers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give computer advice. True. Very much. True. True. <laughs> I'm still working on getting you to get Control Z down. Uh, Victor, the way you add the purchase on Amazon. Um, so basically, the best thing to do is go to dirtbiketest.com, click on one of the fresh dirt stories, and then scroll down to the bottom of the story, and there'll be all these pictures of things. And uh, usually, it's whatever we put in as the search item. And it'll like on the on the picture of the YZ85. I think no, the YZ250FX story, which is actually pretty good. Trevor had me confused the whole time. 
he, he, he was saying, do we like this bike? Do we like this bike? And he kind of pointed out this and the and he said, yeah, we like this bike. Even though in the whole, the whole story, he kind of had me thinking I did, he didn't like the bike. So now I want to ride it. Uh, but anyways, you go to the bottom of that story, there's pictures of car tires, and then you type in um, what you're going to want. Like, so I know you're getting some, uh, 13 inch, uh, rims for your low rider. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a Mexican dude, likes the low lows. Yeah. So he's probably getting some 13 inch rims, wire spoked with 176 spokes and uh, maybe a set of hydraulics. So, okay. Emily Musolano has a question for me. In the latest dirt bike issue, Lawson. Ron Lawson, he's been on the show before. Touched touched on the history of the Husaberg saying the first generation was the best but he did not refer reference the year. What era was he talking about and what were the differences? I'm just giving you an excuse to talk about the Berg Ding, Cheers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so he is taught. It's funny. Cause I, I was going through some old photos and I have a picture of me riding the first generation Husaberg. So it mm-hmm. was 1990. When they actually they actually released them in 91, 90 or 91. I saw one in 89. I saw the very first one at the ISD in 1989. And it was basically a hand-built, um, you know, prototype. The uh, And then, so he's talking about a 90, 91. And those things, it's funny because I started looking at it and I looked at the frame rails and I forgot how, how hacked together they were. I mean, they just basically took what they had left over from Husky parts and, and, and built this pretty amazing four stroke. So, um, I don't think that they, the first generation was the best, but they, they had, they had some ups and downs. They had some reliability and durability issues and they, they never seemed to get the, you know, they seemed like they were, it's kind of like KTM was for a while. They were just on or off with the suspension. If they got the chassis right, the suspension was jacked up and vice versa. So there was a little bit of, of this, but um, yeah, they, they, uh, they got, they always made good power when they were running. They always made really good power. That's when the cams weren't doing something funny or the water pump seals weren't going out or yeah, all those kinds of things. So, Okay. Now you're talking about car bikes, George says. No need to lay an FI bike over. Correct. Uh, I don't know of any fuel-injected. There's very few fuel-injected kickstart bikes, but there are some, like Suzuki RMZs are like this. And uh, let's say SS says, a new Tusk lithium-ion battery and bolts for the battery installed. Okay. Hopefully he bought that through uh, through our links. Yeah, through the links. I, I think that's what he's trying to trying to tell us. But I think we have more questions on the sheet. Okay, we can probably do a couple more before we go to break. Okay, Logan, hit me with those things. David Andrew, part one. This weekend I was on my one of my two Honda CRF two thirty Fs. The one did not have the BBR decal on the gas tank couple of questions oh, so he was in the school okay yeah 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 was the suspension stock particularly the front forks what tires were on it and what pressure were they running lastly i is there a street legal dual sport that 
you feel would be best for me, given my current ability. I don't want a high-performance bike that won't require frequent oil changes and valve adjustments, so I know that will limit the choices somewhat. I tuned in to Taco Tuesday broadcast with you and George for a bit. I had to get to bed here on the East Coast, but I'm going to watch the rest on YouTube. You guys are have a good, powerful energy and a banter that makes it enjoyable to watch. You, you know why that is, Logan? That me and George have an energy? No. You're, 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 you're confused. It's because he talks. Oh yeah. 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 He, he, he adds to the conversation when we, when we, it's not like just the Jimmy show. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's like the, it kind of becomes like the Jimmy and George show, except, um, George is the devil. Um, yeah, he, he tries to steal my thunder with some of my gags though. So, (laughs) um, if I gave you the voice of Metron, would you talk? Would you feel like you could hide behind that voice? And no, no, Uh We're working on it. We're trying everything. Uh. (laughs) Part two. Okay. So if where were to get a KTM, which model for me and between the cows. Oh, let me, can I answer the first part or should I answer the first part? This, uh, yeah. The one and two. So, so, so the bike was 100% completely, by the way, completely, completely stock. Well, we got to get to it before his bedtime. Yep. It's important. The bike was 100% completely, completely stock. Uh, except for it had different rims on it. The one that he rode. And I think that's it on the, on the, on the one that you guys use for the, for the beginner classes. That's just stock stock. I'm pretty sure it's just, I don't stock the exception of rims. So rims, and then it has Parker DTs for tires. They were run at 12 PSI. That's where you set them at 12 or 13, right? Uh, No, I, I, I had them set at 14, 14. Yeah. Why are you guys going up to 14? So it should be 12, but okay. you can do 13. Just, yeah. you know, anyways, flat, flat prevention. Is that what you're thinking? I guess I just remembered it wrong. I remember it being like 14 to 15. 12. 12 is a set. Um, so so that was that bike. Um, n- no modifications whatsoever. Uh, the other one, the Crazy Nate's bike, that has, <laughs> that's, that has, it has an Amazon pipe on it, which actually is holding up pretty well. I'm pretty surprised so far. The Amazon pipe? I yeah. thought that was on the BBR bike. Yeah, it's on the BBR yeah. bike. He didn't oh. ride, he did, he rode the stock one. He didn't ride the BBR bike. Mm-hmm. So so um that has the Amazon pipe on it. It has a different shock. It has a works performance shock. It has one stiff mm-hmm. BBR spring in the front fork. It has one stock and one stiff one and has a different headlight and all kinds. It's been spray painted black on one side and I had to go and spray paint it gray because I didn't want to look like the hoopty wagon. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Uh, but so that's that bike. Um, and now he's asking, um, or he, he said, what would be a good bike for him? But he's going to go into this yes. more. The Kawasaki KLX 300 and the Honda CRF 350, 300L. Any better suited for me? I'm sure you hate these questions, but you have a lot more experience than I will ever have and trust your judgment. So when you're looking at that, category or classification of bike there's there, there's there we'll call those play bikes and so there's play bikes and then there we'll call them entry-level dual sport bikes and they're 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 kind of the same like kawasaki has 
has one with the license plate and one without. Yamaha has one with the license plate, one without. Um, Honda has one with the license plate, one without. And they're kind of based off the same. But in order to make those bikes street legal, they have to do a lot, a lot of little things that you they may look kind of similar, but they're they're they really get neutered because the engine, the displacement is so small that it really hurts them. So going for the license plate usually takes a certain amount of performance out of the bike. Not a ton, but it's noticeable. And and then when you look at what KTM does, is KTM takes their race bike and then then they figure out a way to turn in. It's a, it's a it's kind of a more high performance bike. You're going to pay quite a bit more in price. So KTM Husqvarna, um, Gas Gas is not making street legal right now. Uh, Beta has some you know smaller bikes that uh, smaller displacements that you can. I think there's this, I think there's is only 350 though. I don't think they go down any lower. But anyways, so there's a wide range of bikes there, and and the the difference is. When you go to the competition bikes and the and the more racy bikes, they tend to not have as much chug, chug, chug. And even though they're quite a bit lighter, they're also a little bit taller, so they don't feel as stable. And when you look at bikes like the Honda CRF300L or, you know, the Kawasaki KL, K, is it KLR or KLX? It's KLX 300. KLX 300. Yeah. Which is the, which is, is there a KLR 300 or is there a KLX street one? I know they I know they make a street version, but they're they're all kind of they're all kind of the same. And and between the the Hondas and the the Kawasaki's, they're all pretty much. The, you could it, it's just like what color do you like? I think the Hondas tend to be a little bit lower, a little bit lower seat height. Um, I tend to find the build quality on the Hondas is maybe just a little bit up. All those bikes, um, a lot of them are not built in Japan. By the way, they're built um, other places, Brazil, Taiwan, things like this. So, um, yeah, they're not like the, uh, like the race bikes, but, and if you can get test rides on them, see if one of those kind of feels comfortable and fits you, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, I wish when you were at the school, you would ask to hop on a couple different bikes and try some of the other rental bikes. Um, some of the other bikes that the students were on and then you could have gotten a feel for the different uh, things. So anyways, um, and I don't pay George anything. In fact, George pays me to be on this show and he has a little emoji lexicon there that we can't see because he's running out of funds and mm -hmm. we're shrinking his account as, as we, uh, as we speak SS, how would you go about testing an ECU? I had a KTM 250 XCFW 16 that lost battery connection and died, got a new battery and it just cranks. Uh, boy, how would I test and he said lost. What does lost have to do with? It lost battery connection. Oh, um, lost, lost battery connection and died. Um, so, man, electrical problems are always pretty difficult. Let's see. How would you go about testing an ECU? Well, when I had an ECU problem, the way I found out was I took an ECU off another bike that functioned properly and put it on. So I used uh, lost a negative bolt. Okay, so he's talking about. I think he's talking about his his ground um, mm -hmm. coming loose. Uh, I would, you know, so so, you know, you got to find out if it's getting power. Uh, and, and it's it's those. Let's see, KTM a sixteen XCFW. So all those ECUs are kind of the same between all of the four strokes on the KTM's, and they do they are known to go bad every once in a while. I mean, I only have what probably. 18 of those bikes or so 
and no. I've had and I've seen two ECU failures in all of the all of the four stroke KTM's the fuel injected ones. So I've seen one on a 500 and one on a 250 EXC, and it was actually the one on the 250 EXC. It wasn't my bike; it was a it was a friend's bike. Uh, but I swapped my ACU. It starts for a bit with idle and with the JD tuner installed, but that's it. Let's see. So now it starts. It it sounds like a fuel issue to me. If it's if it's starting and then it doesn't do do something. So I don't I don't know and I don't know if that if the the negative bolt how long was it sitting <laughs> once it stopped running did it sit for a long time then I would start looking at the fuel filters make sure you have fuel pressure so if it starts a little bit it has spark and that's good and then and then I would go straight to checking for fuel and then make sure you have fuel and then decide where the the problem is you might you might find it cuz generally yeah, if, I mean, all if all your fuses are good, it wouldn't start. If the fuel, if 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 it starts, then usually all the fuses that make the bike run um, would be would be a thing. So Bob is raising his hand. Oh, just to emphasize that, that if it idles and then when he rolls the throttle on, it, that's it that's it's yes, that's problem. that's why I started thinking it was a fuel problem. So uh, let's see, a twenty twenty two three fifty exc. You doing research for me over there, Logan? Or are you looking at nudie pictures again? Um, the KLX. There's no KLR three hundred. There's no KLR three hundred. There's mm -hmm. just a KLX. KLX R and, and then KLX. Okay, so the R is the dirt bike, and the the regular one is a. See, good, good. Glad you're not over there. Jason Sarner says twenty twenty two three fifty XC. Would you do anything to increase dependability? Uh. No, <laughs> a dirt tricks chain tensioner. Uh, no, because the stock one is actually really good. Uh, the, that, but those have those have been known to fail. Um, of all the things on the 350, that's one of the things. Actually, I just took, believe it or not, on this this mystery bike that I got, I just took out a dirt tricks one and installed a, a DHJ mm -hmm. manual one on it because it, it's making a little bit of noise up in the top end. And I wanted to be able to eliminate the cam chain as the source of that noise. And what was his other thing that he, that he put on uh, anti-gravity uh, battery, uh, man, I think the stock batteries, it's just like any battery you put in anymore, nine out of 10 of them, you're going to get like, you know, three to five years on them. And then there's that one in that group of 10 that you're going to get a year out of maybe less. So uh, I don't think there's going to be any problem with the with the battery, and it kind of depends on how you treat it. You know, if you if it's a lithium battery, which I think the KTM's have now, and you put a parasitic drain on it, and you don't start it every once in a while, that won't be good. So that's the uh, that's the go to there. Um, Harlan Miller, would you do the Turavito on a 500 again or something smaller like a two-stroke 300? I absolutely would not do the Turavito on a two-stroke. Not, not, not a chance. Um, I might do it on a. I might do it on a 350. I, I was actually riding uh, Heather's 350 quite a bit lately, and I was having a lot of fun on it, even on kind of faster stuff. And I was kind of surprised myself with some of the hills big hill climb hills that I was able to climb and I was kind of going, Oh, so I, I don't know. I, I would probably, I tend to like the 500 just cause it chugs so well and you just don't have to rev it. And so I probably would, it's just a 500 just 
easier, but I would consider a 350. So that's the uh, answer. Is there another question over there on the? A couple. Okay, what are we what are we hitting? Uh, Steve Durex. Jiro Jiro X. Yeah, it's that's a that's um it's a name from Zimbabwe. My Husaberg FE five fifty E has a fancy new type of battery on it. I believe it's LifePo. Maybe. I'm told they require a non-standard special charger. Fair enough. My question is, does this bike's charging system need to be altered also? If not, does it somehow charge differently or is it a special charger story, a BS money grab? Um, no. So, so uh, LiPo is lithium uh, ion and it's, there's a couple different kinds of lithium um, combinations and stuff that they use in batteries. I'm not a chemist. I don't understand this, but my understanding is that lithium batteries do not like the, what we call the pulse charging or the, or the, or the, 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 the some battery chargers have a pulsing feature that's used to kind of D what do you, what do you call it when you descale the, the, the sulfate, yeah. desulfate yeah the desulfate feature that pulses i've been told that lithium batteries do not like this and my experience is that lithium batteries charge very fast but they also don't like to be overcharged and overcharging usually makes them explode because they're not very good at containing their heat when they when they get kind of overcharged in fact uh, i had an old battery the other day and i decided to it was a motorcycle battery and i put it onto a car um, jumping <laughs> device just to put a lot of power into it, see what happened. And it got hot enough where I took it out and put it outside in the gravel away from anything else because I was afraid something um, that was, uh, that was going to happen. Uh, George, who uh, probably just Googled this and is going to try to act smart says the lie F E P O four battery, the Le life po why lithium lead has an edge over lithium ion both in terms of cycle life it supposedly lasts four to five times longer and safety this is a key advantage because the lithium ion batteries can overheat even catch fire which the lithium ion um does should i should i put my boss on the on the phone should I, she would feel really bad it, Mm. <laughs> I won't do it. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, in the the lithium ion, the LiPo four does not have those things. So, um, lithium iron phosphate. So, hey, look, there's chemicals and chemical formulas. Matt, is that yeah. exciting you? No, I hated chemistry. Oh, okay. Also, Good. chemistry is just quantum physics. Right. I don't know this, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so in your Husaberg, you don't have anything to worry about. Uh, your Husaberg probably has a voltage regulator on it. As long as your voltage regulator is working properly, wait, it's a Husaberg. So maybe the voltage regulator won't work properly, or at least that's what everybody tells me. Um, and, uh, but yeah, if your bike catches on fire and it's no big deal, but that, since you have that awesome battery in there, George says it's not going to catch on fire. So George says it's okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be concerned either. Um, he said 550. Do you have a 550? Mm-hmm. That's a 
that's a good that's a good motor <laughs> that's a really good motor the like 570 oh no no okay. no no but the 600 the 600 may be could be better than the 570 and not just because it's 600 because it just made a real shit ton of power the problem was it was making that carburetor from a uh, that power from a carburetor and and uh and the durability wasn't nearly as good as the the 570 but um the 550 was it was like that i just remember so the 600 was probably the first bike that i ever rode that would go up hill climbs that would bog 450s down and you could upshift you would be going up and you you wouldn't be at wide open you go into a hill that would, everything else was just wide open and the bikes are slowing down and this thing you would be like three quarters throttle because if you went wide open it would just start digging a trench you know it wouldn't it wouldn't go far but you, you could back off and then when the traction was good you could accelerate again and it would accelerate up a hill where other where 450s and stuff were just bogged down it was it was mind-boggling and i remember we used to we used to just go find the worst hills and go hill climbing with that 600 all the time and it just guzzled gas so um Okay. Might be time for a commercial break before we take more questions. Okay. So what's the, uh, is it, okay. What's the, what, 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 why do we take a commercial break? Cause I don't need to go get a refill of a tequila or anything anymore. Okay. So if you want to keep going, I just wanted to no, keep I'm the just consistent teasing. flow of the show. <laughs> we'll do the consistent commercial flow. break. <laughs> All right. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Hey, watch the commercials, support our sponsors, support those that support us. And, and trust me, uh, anybody you see on a sponsor of this show, it's because I like them and I use their stuff and I can fully endorse uh, what they're doing. So watch this. What's up, Moto Buddies? Mike here from Taco Moto Co. What is the Taco Touch? It's the best service in the industry. Virtually 24-7 tech support via email or text. And it's like having a dirt bike doctor on call every day of the year, helping you fix your bike or recommend parts or setups for you. If you've ever received an order from us, you know that the Taco Touch extends to our fulfillment and our orders come with the coolest stickers that you've ever had, uh, buying parts from anybody before and a handful of root beer barrel candies. Um, all of our Taco Moto Co. branded components come with a no questions asked lifetime warranty, and we'll even extend out the warranty of other manufacturers, OEM and aftermarket parts where we can, sometimes for life. We test and tune endlessly and exhaustively and obsessively. We're trying to destroy everything that we can before you get your hands on it to look for weaknesses and to improve it or to make recommendations to the manufacturer. And if it's something that doesn't uh, meet grade, then we don't offer it on the store. Everything that we carry is something that we have personally used, tested, and ridden, and raced, and knows meets uh, the high taco touch demanding standard. Go out and get some adventure. And we're back. Logan went and sat in the massage chair. Did you actually turn it on? No. You just sat in it? No. Yeah. You're, you're, pretend, you're pretending. The baseline, that thing's actually really comfy. Like, yeah. without it even being on, it's pretty comfortable. Yeah. Oh, have you used Fabio? Like yeah, like two times at least since it's been here for the last month. I, I've, I've used Fabio more than I, you. I, I just don't have a lot of time. I just it's like um you know I'm I'm uh, I got to make time for polishing. I'm petting cats and stuff like that. Busy <laughs> stuff. You could put Selma in the little one, and then you hop in Fabio. Right. So we know we like talking about blue bikes for motocross riders driven to dominate the Yamaha YZ line of four stroke bikes are built for victory. Visit YamahaMotorsports.com 
to find out how to get in the victory zone right now. Okay, Logan, uh, got some more questions. Do we have something? Uh, so Emily says she's watching from Dubai. Did she want, she called, does she want to get on the show? That's the, that's the question. Mm -hmm. Maybe she's kind of confused because, uh, the, uh, time difference. So this went off of this chat. Uh, th this question got buried, uh, and Eastern update. So I can't scroll down anymore on this. On okay. This chat. So you're going to read me a question. I'm going to read you a question from Andy, uh, BJ. Uh, is it possible for a crank seal to leak the opposite way of normal on a two stroke? Usually on the right side, they will suck transmission oil into the cylinder, but can it pressurize the crankcase? Can it pressurize the crankcase? So in other words, can it push oil into the, um, well, if the seal's leaking, the crankcase has a, both a positive and a negative pressure at different oh, times. He had to follow up, uh, after. After a long hill climb, let the bike drop on its side and it spit out about half the trans oil on out of the breather in less than a second. So he's uh, yeah. What bike and what year and mm -hmm. what are we what are we looking at, Andy? I'll I'll figure this out. It, and it was it two stroke. Yeah, he said two stroke. He said two stroke long hill climb. Uh, yeah. Is it doing okay? Is it doing anything with the coolant? And you're absolutely, so you're absolutely sure you put the right amount of oil in there. That'd be the first thing. Cause if you put too much in there, uh, 2007 TE 250, um, boy, you know, you know what, you know what I'm going to go with power valve seals. So, so the seals at your power valve, that's where the pressure is coming out. Somehow it's getting out there and then. And it's it's pressurizing the crank case through the power valve, possibly. And then, and then he said he said let the bike drop on its side and spit out half of its trans oil out the breather in less than a second. Man, I would I I can't see that because that breather is tiny and I can't see that much coming out. So I would actually take a more accurate measurement of that because I'm I'm going to say maybe it, it could I could see it pumping out 100 cc's or something like that, but not 300. Um, so yeah, interesting. Um, but I would, uh, check to make sure that the, somehow the seals on the power valve aren't letting the exhaust gas kind of pressurize and, uh, go in that way more than the crank seals. Cause the crank seals generally, if the crank seal is bad, you're going to get a lot of popping at high RPMs. Like when you when you do like a power shift and stuff, they'll pop and, and it'll get lean on the top end. And if there was that much pressure going one way, I would suspect that it would also be sucking some oil in there as well. But interesting. I've never seen that happen before. So send us a follow up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let us know. I always like to know what the, uh, what the answers are. You got another one there, Logan? Cole Smith. Jimmy does the Husaberg identify as a Husqvarna FMF decal and acro muffler cannot roost even with bonus points for the Olin's fork. Is my is 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 that bike in Roosterendo? It's not in Roosterendo. It could in, be if you want it to be. Not, no, week. no. Okay, so so uh, cats out of the bag because Matt put a picture of me and my on my my new bike. I today I purchased another Husaberg five seventy. So if you looked at the photo we put on Facebook today on Dirt Bike Test Facebook page, I'm sitting on. It's definitely a Husaberg 570, but if you look at the uh, stickers, which Cole did very closely, um, 
it says husk of art on it and it has a husky front number plate and and uh mm -hmm. front fender yellow um fort guards and it and the, the graphics on it say Husqvarna because the guy I bought it from, uh Bobby from Woolly Cycles in Atlanta, Georgia, uh owns a a husky dealership and he really liked his Husaberg and he wanted to keep riding it, but he wanted to support the brands that he sells. KTMs, BMWs, Huskies. So he converted this into a he disguised it as a husky. I was gonna go on this big story and tell you how I bought it from somebody who didn't know what they had. You know, the guy thought it was a husky and it was a husky bird. And uh, so, but, um, but no, I, I am not responsible for anything on this bike yet. Although I didn't even catch the, until he pointed out, I didn't catch the FMF sticker on the mm. Acro muffler. <laughs> uh, but I did know I had the Acro muffler on it. Uh, this thing has some modifications done to it. I already started tearing things apart in the garage. And like I said, it was, a, it was a little bit ticky for my taste. So, I did a little work on the, um, I did a little bit of work on the, uh, on that to put the, I had a cam chain tensioner laying around, so I threw it in there. And, uh, so yeah, uh, that's my new, that's my new chariot. It's got a high compression piston and a, a vortex ECU on it's it. It's a got high compression piston on a 570. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I don't know. I don't know that it needs it, but it, 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 it. It has, it has, it's funny because I just went, I just went and did a quick little run down the street and then I put some fresher gas in it and did another quick little run down the street. And that thing puts out some pretty good power. It's, it does have some drivability issues. Like, like I always complain about, but I'm the only one in the world that cares about getting my bike to run where I actually ride it as opposed to just trying to produce some ridiculous dyno numbers. But it was lifting the front wheel up in third, fourth and fifth gear. Well, just on roll-ons. Your other Husebergs, they don't have the high compression piston in it, right? No, no, they're stock. Yeah, and they could do it in third gear. So I'm not surprised. They don't, they don't do it in fifth though. Yeah. Yeah. This bike did it in fifth and it's kind of like, it's kind of like this, this mid, it's this real mid range pull and it pulls really good into the mid range, but it, in mid range, it, it mm -hmm. comes on and, and kind of, kind of rips. So, yeah, another another one to play with. Um, I'm still so. stuck on a high compression piston on that thing. I don't know if I'd want to touch it. <laughs> well, I, I I I mean it's fine. The more power, the better, right? The risk go the risk goes both directions. So does your yeah. throttle. Mine's gonna be going forward a lot. Husabusa, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a and Dave, your bike went back with with him, so he's he now has he has possession of your bike. It's left the premises, um, and uh, he he had a he bought he had. Uh, he f drove out here to buy a KTM rally bike. Yeah. Like yeah. a factory rally bike. He had a really, really nice one that he picked up from a guy. So it was just, just so happens that he had a Berg that he needed to get a little bit of money for. And I had a little bit of money. So I spent, by the way, I spent all of your paychecks, by the way, and tip money and everything else. But it's like the first step to, you know, getting rid of the addition is admitting you have a problem and, I don't have a problem, so you guys are screwed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, next question. Um, GTT number 134, DLR Mon 1. People need roost and endo stickers for the front and rear of their bikes. So um, I thought that was a great idea. I commissioned the stickers. I, I, I commissioned it, but evidently I confused uh, my artist, my graphic designer, and uh, I'm going to try again. But uh, it's okay. That's I, I do this a lot. So I, I don't understand the Rooster Endo stickers. You have like a 
a roost sticker on your front fender and an endo on your rear fender? Is it the other way around or is it one sticker? I was just thinking maybe there'd be a design or something. Maybe we need a t-shirt, roost render t-shirts could all wear. We could sell, start selling t-shirts again because you know, see how that went? All the large and XLs go because, you know, George takes all the double X's and they're gone. And then I take the, all the XLs and they're gone and all the larges we sell. And then we have a bunch of smalls and mediums for all your chicks. You need to have a bunch of girls standing behind us with t-shirts, just the t-shirts on and just like a billboard to sell. Cause that's what girls do on the internet. They sell stuff on the, on the TikToks and stuff. Right, Logan? Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, next question. KTM 390 long-term wrap up 666 dual sport. The complete arrogance of arrogance of KTM being too stupid or cheap to have those foot pegs is unacceptable, even on a cheap bike. Actually, the foot pegs themselves aren't that bad. Just the foot pegs. Um, the angle of them is is a problem. I have a problem with it. But why is it why is it arrogance? It's it's they're multi platforming the motorcycle. They understand that it was designed to be ridden by novice and beginner riders who largely sit down and they wanted to make sure that those riders could reach the shifter and the brake pedal comfortably. Uh, so yeah, it meets that criteria. It's not arrogance. It's smart marketing. So, um, six, six, six dual sport is that, is he like, do you think he has like devil horns on his graphics? Shit. Like, like that. Think so. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Anyways. Okay. Um, he was probably mean to new to beginner riders too. He's like the devil. He's well on. It's probably the opposite of a. <laughs> I'm six 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 dual sport, and if you're a beginner rider, arrogance will greet you with every bike you purchase. Right? Is that what happens? <laughs> so, okay, uh, we out of questions over there. I'm out. You're out of questions. Okay. Uh, well, I think uh, the chat has a couple more well, questions. Well, we don't have. We didn't get any excuse me's. But like, look at this. This is Husaberg. This is Husaberg night. What does Kirk <laughs> say? His name Zerbigan. Zer Zer Zerbrigan. Zerbrigan. I have two of those Husabergs, five seventy and four fifty. They have problems with cam oiling hole. Huh? Don't tell me this. <laughs> that's not that's not what I want to hear. I I have three of them now, and um, I have to check the cam oil <laughs> on this one because my other two don't have a problem with it. We don't accept Husaberg sacrilege here. Yeah, where can I find information on this cam oiling hole that I don't know about? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it it it's. Um, yeah, it's just a little bit louder. I don't. I, I was. I'm going to check the valves and stuff just to make sure. But and it could be. It could be. It ha does have a different cam in it, so it has different cam in it, and uh, and it has the higher compression piston. And I, I, you know, I did the thing where it was running, and I put my ear up to the to the screwdriver and lifts it around, and it nothing stuck. Nothing stood out as being a a bad noise. It's just noisier than my other ones. So, and I have a good ear for this. So, um. Yeah, so Andy BJ says, good job on the power valve seals. I'm thinking that much pressure buildup. It's a combustion pressure entering the trance. Thank you. Wow. 
Compliment. Somebody, somebody thanks you. That's, that's good. It's a compliment. Yeah. Cool. Uh, there's another question that got buried. Okay. That I want to bring up. Logan, grab the used Durando So board. this is also, oh, hold on. So Kirk actually had an earlier question. This is the one that got buried. Could you talk about shocks with high speed and low speed adjusters and explain the two adjustments? I understand low speed adjuster is jumping and high speed is whoops? Question mark. Oh boy. <laughs> Let's oversimplify something. <laughs> so, um, yes, I can explain it and I can, I can, uh, I can probably make it, uh, more complicated as well. So essentially the, 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 when they talk about speed, high speed and low speed, they're referring to shock shaft speeds. Okay. So, so when the shaft is moving at a high rate of speed or the shaft is moving at a low rate of speed, that's when those particular adjusters will do what we'll call most of their damping. They do damping all the time. They're always working, but there's essentially there's, there's blow offs on them. And there's just times when, when there's so much oil flowing that they, that they essentially kind of, they reach their limit of what they can do. So I'm not a suspension tuner or an artist. And both of those are the same thing, but I, I kind of understand how it works mostly on the feel side of things. So I would look at the low speed, the low speed adjuster. And if we're talking about, and he's, he's has Husaberg, so I'm just going to kind of expect he's talking about Husabergs or KTM type things. The low speed adjuster on most shocks that I've ridden act as low speed adjusters. In other words, it's kind of like the slower movement or the initial movement of the shock. And once it's, once it's kind of down into the stroke, they don't seem to do a whole lot anymore. So it's the, I always say it's the, it's the slower movements or how, how much it, it moves, you know, whenever it starts moving in one direction or the other, and then, and then a lot the, of the initial, that's the low speed. The high speed is, is again, these higher shaft speeds. And I can see where somebody could say that it would do something in the hoops. Uh, Cause those, <coughs> excuse me, would be higher shaft speed stuff. But I find it works more as when it, when Everything else is set up properly. And when it's set up properly, I use it as a functioning ride height adjustment. So what that means is, you know how you set your sag to adjust ride height? Well, if I want the, the bike to ride while I'm riding to ride a little higher in the rear, I add a little bit of high speed compression. So if let's say I wanted to have what I felt like was maybe five millimeters more ride height, I would add, and depending on the bike, and on my Husaberg, it would be a little bit more than an eighth of a turn to get that. The same thing's true in the other direction. If I wanted to functionally ride a little bit lower, like if I'm coming into the turns and I feel like it's a little unstable and I want the back end to squat down a little bit more, I'll take out that eighth of a turn or a little bit more. And, and, and it's an eighth to a quarter turn seems to be the, the range. So you basically have a half a turn at the maximum. You have a half a turn of range that you can use on a high speed compression that will affect the ride height. And when you do that, it does make the shock overall a little bit stiffer, but you don't really feel it until you hit something kind of, kind of hard or quick, like a, like a curb essentially, you know, and, and if you're really trying to get overall stiffness out of it, 
it seems like you 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 have to go kind of at least a quarter turn more like a half turn to actually feel some kind of stiffness like if you if you were going through the hoops and you wanted the bike to hold itself up a little bit this works and how much you want it to work would depend on how much with the high speed uh and then the low speed is more for ground feel if that makes sense so uh hopefully kirk i've uh, answered that uh that question so mitchell rainford says i have a 2015 klx 250f that doesn't run without the choke on any tips on what to check first okay you know this answer logan what's what goes wrong it's a carbureted bike fuel injected oh it's fuel, fuel injected the 2015 kx 250f i think they're carbureted yeah. i looked it up it's fuel injected when did they switch? i thought it was i thought it was fuel injected and i think he actually said right here yeah he said oh, it's fuel injected okay yeah it, so actually when i looked it up it says it has a dual injection system like a dual fuel injected system. yes okay so they already had that back then wow getting old it's been a long time yeah uh six years no yeah, that's that's seven, more than that. Eight. Yeah, seven eight years old. I didn't, but could there be a, a clogged in like so injector? only runs with the choke on? I would I would guess that you're gonna you're gonna find you have a uh, you know fuel filter, um, plugged injector, low fuel pressure, something along along these lines, or your adjustment of your your idle is so far because i think on that one the i don't i don't know i don't remember because i never had to ever actually play with them um if the idle adjust is kind of done through the choke on a lot of the fuel injection systems the the idle adjust is done it's an air bleed the choke is essentially an air bleed and uh so maybe that thing is so far out of adjustment that um, you have to do that. So I would go in there, check the manual. Uh, the manual will tell you like how many clicks or detents or whatever it is uh, that, that kind of give you a range of where it should be and play with it. You know, you know, see if you can pop it back in and, 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 and adjust it and get it to where it needs to be. Or there could be some, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, could be some obstruction. Did you get a bunch of dirt in there and then dirt, maybe plugging part of one of the orifices, stuff like this um there's a lot of stuff it could be but i, I bet you're going to find out it's something pretty simple um and uh, kirk says his ktm 690 rally has the high low speed thanks for the explanation so let's see yeah so so george also thought it was a carburetor because i was that's what i was going to ask what if, it, if it's a carburetor what's why do you have the choke on it needs more air no, I mean, he's on, on a carburetor when it's more fuel, but it's because oh. the pilot jet's plugged, which is super common these days. Mm -hmm. Pilot jet's always uh, always plugged. Um, vacuum leak. Where, uh, yeah. Uh, Wouldn't a vacuum leak cause it to... So... You'd be so, getting... So, uh, yeah... Um, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking about it. I mean, it could, it could definitely be a, a vacuum leak. Uh, you know, some, somehow like the intake manifold could be cracked or uh, the intake manifold gasket is, is funky. Um, that's a, that's a possibility too, but I don't know. Um, we'll see how that, uh, anyways, let us know when you, uh, when you get it back, Mitchell, um, give us a, give us a rundown on what you find. And if any of that stuff helped, uh, you know, taco moto, Co makes a really nice inline fuel pressure checker. 
So if you are in the need for some of these tools sometimes uh, and you want to have a cool set of tools, I have one. I use it all the time. When when I, when something starts going wrong, it's spark or fuel. And then that's the first thing I go. That's my first go-to is check the fuel pressure. So uh, <laughs> are you positive you're using the choke correctly? This is also a good one. You never, never rule out the obvious. I know the KTM one operates opposite. It does operate opposite. I'm How not does, sure what he means by that. Yeah. All I, the KTMs that we... That you, you pull, use, you pull yeah. them out, you pop them out, you pull them out. I've, I've, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. What I, means I don't know that. which. So, so they used to have hot start buttons that you pushed in, mm-hmm. but who knows? Uh, so there was one quick question. It was, uh, here we go. Lucas, uh, Stanois, uh, Stanois. Uh, how often do you actually check? You want to spell levels? that for me? I'm really curious about that. S T A N O I S. Stanois. Stanois. Is that right, Logan? No clue. That sounds more correct than what I said. So anyway, how often do you actually check the valves on the 570s? Um, close to never. Yeah, I would say that I've checked the. So when I had the first, the 570, the first one I still have, um, I checked it probably at 20 hours, at 50 hours, at 70 hours, at 100 hours. And then I went to like 250 hours and I quit checking it. And then we took it apart at 500 hours and they were still perfect. And then on the one that I got from Bob, did you ever check your valves? The Husaberg? Yeah. So he (laughs) checked them once at one point. I've never checked them. And that bike probably has 900 hours on it. So that's the, that's the, 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 the routine. So a friend of mine posted, he said, Hey, I've got my 500 EXC and you know, it's a newer one at 21 or 22. And he was, he was like looking for the shop to have the top end done. And I said, I just replied to him after he got 15 recommendations on where to get, you know, shops to go to. I said, don't do it. Ride it three times longer than you currently have. And then think about it. That's my answer. Cause I know that this guy is changing his oil and cleaning his filters. Cause guys that are looking to do maintenance when the manual says, or, you know, close to it are generally doing all the stuff. Just, just ride them. They, they'll it'll last forever. You'll, you'll probably do more damage by having the top end done. Um, and that's, that's not saying that everybody that he recommended was probably a good thing. It's just the, the chance of you messing up something like what, when my usual go-to is I, you know, and I, I stopped doing it. It's like, so like the question was like, I did this and that, what do I do? I'm like, what was the last thing you did to the bike? Undo what you just did. Yeah. Like unfix what you just fixed and a thing. Um, uh, they're talking about how to run from the cops. You know anything no. about this, Logan? Nope. Never had to do it. Never had to do it. Because the cops don't chase you around here. Because you can ride your I've dirt bike down the street. One. Oh, you've never seen a cop? Nope. Oh. <laughs> I've seen them a bunch. They just wave. Um, don't you push the button in on fuel injection for cold? Well, typically you have to press the start button in. So Yeah, yeah. that's right, George. Yeah, you push the start button in to get them to start when it's cold. And, and when it's hot, too. Uh, we have another Husaberg question. It's Husaberg question night. Yeah. Husaberg question. 210 FX 450 idles fine, but then dies when opening the throttle. I clean the injector, has a new fuel pump and filter. I'm thinking maybe the TPS is bad. What do you think? Um, I think that the 210 FX 450s are horrible bikes and you should um, contact me 
about uh, the price because it, it's not that much, but I, I can solve that problem from you. Uh, if, and after I bought it from you, what I would do is I would also check the throttle position sensor. Um, it cleaned the injector. Uh, so I have had, I, I'm trying to think of what goes wrong on injectors, you know, cause you can hear them tick and I have the injector cleaner and you can hear them tick. And, and I had one that was like kind of finicky and I, I cleaned it again and put it back in the bike and it works good right after I've cleaned it. But then it seems like it, after I clean, after a little while, it sort of starts going bad. And this one, it's the one your dad rode at this class. Remember he said this bike is half of the other bike. You know, he's just saying it didn't, it didn't run very good. Yeah. And that was the one that was acting funky. So I actually, you know, and I, and I, I put a new injector in one of these bikes someplace because I used to have one. And now I don't. And so I was, I was going alternating between cleaning these other two injectors. And I, I just don't know, understand what can go bad in there once they're clean, but maybe they, they, they get sticky, you know, the opening closing of it gets sticky or something, but I've never had one get to the point of failure. The injectors, when they plug, you start feeling generally a loss in, in power at the upper end, you know, they get, they get kind of lean and then they progressively get worse, worse till they start popping and sputtering. And then they get to that point where they just idle and they won't really run. Um, but the, the TPS sensor, uh, I think those can go bad. Uh, sometimes, you know, if, if I mark them and then I'll loosen them up and move them, move it around. And there's tools that they make where you can check the voltage that you get out of them. Uh, but just, Loosening it up on the bike and moving it while the bike runs and see if that changes something that might give you an idea whether it might just be an adjustment or maybe the TPS uh, has gone completely bad. And I haven't had to replace any of the other sensors on the on any of my bikes, any of the fuel injected bikes. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Oh, I see what George is talking about. He's talking about the yellow and black knob mm. or the yellow knob and the idle adjust knob. So they do, they no longer have the pull choke. They have the push button one. Mm -hmm. He's right. It's strange. Too many, I too many different years of bikes around here. <laughs> I, everything I've been riding lately, I've had to pull the choke on. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So there's something on, this is why I write this stuff down. There's something on dirt bike tests where you can search um, KTM throttle adjustment. I think we put this link up in the show all the time. Yeah. Uh, so that might help. For normal temperatures, you should never need it. By pressing it upwards towards the throttle body, it clicks in and sets the throttle body's butterfly valve slightly open to achieve a higher idle. Um, it says October 5th, 2015. Uh, maybe that's when I, he, he cut and pasted yeah, it October. straight out. Of, he cut and pasted it straight out of the thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, anything else? Uh, I think it's time for Restrendo. Okay. What well, Todd Kelly has a quick question. I'm out of my directional dual sport Kenna tire backwards. Oops. I ran it anyway and didn't notice a difference. Uh, was it front or rear? I am not a princess and the P like you, and I'm not pushing the tire enough to notice a difference. Is there really resistance built in the knobs on a dual sport DOT tire? Um, front or rear? If if it was the rear, it's hard to, harder to notice the difference. If it's the front and you didn't notice it, you don't have much feel and you are a princess. That's, that's all I can say. Okay, Logan, what are we going to do here? 
So um, this is Rooster Endo. Let's, why don't you explain what Rooster Endo is? It's where we rate your bikes. The higher they come up here, they roost or lower. It's annoying. What would make a bike roost? Just for instance. Uh, whatever appeals to you mostly. What appeals and to me. If you're having a good day. If Okay. So I bought a Husaberg today, so I should be having a good day. This could be a good day? Yeah. You, you were think. smiling in the picture I got, so. I was trying to cover up the pivot pegs that it came with, which I took <laughs> off the motorcycle and I gave back to the owner. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That I was. Did, I didn't even bring that up. Yeah. I'm glad you did. That's why my foot's in an awkward position because I didn't want anybody <laughs> to see me sitting on a bike with pivot pegs. I took them right, right off. Right. I rode it down the street once and I took them off. Uh, so the way this works is. You send us a picture of your bike. You tell us the year, make, and model. Hopefully, you want to roost. That's the best thing to do. Don't tell us anything about what it is, so we have to start guessing. And then we examine what you've done to your particular motorcycle and uh, maybe, uh, you know, the quality of your photo, things like this. And depending on Logan's mood, we decide whether we like it or not. You're feeling sick, so all these things are going to roost, right? I think I've only voted on one bike. To, to roost or endo? Like you've only, you've only, your voice has only been heard one time. No, like, yeah, for a, out of all these bikes, you only have one definitive decision yeah. or, or one that you overruled me on. Even Eli Tomac has more than that. Yeah. Um, no, I made you read it and then you made me. Oh, okay. Vote yeah. on it. So you're, you're the, you're okay. Go ahead. I'll, I'll give you my recommendation and then you get to decide. Uh, I would like to know SS is giving some solid advice in the chat. <laughs> Double front discards will give you the win. <laughs> I'm getting over the whole front discards. I, I still, I'm going to give you that box to give back to taco Mike. I got some, there's some stuff in there that I don't necessarily need. Okay. Bubba Watson. 20, Bubba. 2022 500 EXE Slip on and power commander, fuel tuner, and some cosmetic stuff. Did you some mention the FMF? Yeah, he did mention oh, that. Okay. Some cosmetic stuff. The cosmetic uh -oh. stuff would be there. There's there's there is a discard on this, but it looks like the plastic kind. So yeah, I'm, okay, yeah. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Um, I see some blingy things, like a discard. I'm thinking. I, I think. That's a, that looks like a nice bike. Well, Logan, what do you think? You're in charge. You get to decide. I'm giving you the authority. Remember, this is a talking show where we talk. So express uh, express your feelings in a verbal manner, young man. PDS and then a little protection stuff. So pretty good. Okay, pretty good. We don't have any tax. I'll give you one. Don't poke yourself with it. You know. There we go. What's the next one? Give it to me. I'll, I'll handle this end of the thing here. What's the name? Okay. David Black. David Black. Okay. This this bike just left here, I believe, didn't it? Yeah, there yeah. it is. Okay. So David Black, uh, I'll be at first to admit this could roost a lot more. I won't hold it against you if I'll. You know, here's my 22 Husky FE501S. Stock ECU and suspension. Stock yeah, Scott Stabilizer, XC Gear Mako 360, Golden Tire 333, and 216 Fatty, which has been replaced since the photo with Nitromooses, IMS 4-gallon tank, Black Dog traction pegs. 
Sykra Proban Handguards, Moto Minded Rally Tower, RNS GPS Tripmasters, F2R Roadbook Holder, Rally Moto Shop Bracket, Seat Concepts Tall Comfort Seat, and a George decal, which like that could be really painful. My mom car has the George decal, so right, yeah, that kind of endos. I think he needs to pay us some more. I think he's he's just he is actually. I'm going to be teaching his uh, his girlfriend, George. George's oh. girlfriend. No, I thought we were talking about Dave still. <laughs> Dave more. Okay, he's, you're going to be teaching his girlfriend. Oh no, no. no we, he wants to. No, Dave. You're right about the sticker though. Yeah, yeah. George, the sticker's kind of you know the sticker deal's running up. Yeah, it's the, the, it's running out. Logan, what do you think? Is that tire super bald, or is that just the way they came? I think it's the way the lights hitting it. Wow, uh, that looks like it does look super bald, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. If you look more towards the bottom, though, you can see the shadows on the middle knobbies. I think it's just the way it's the lights hitting it. No, that's something wrong with that. That's really bald. I, I bet you. I'll bet you it. it um, I. I would think that maybe that all the knobs came unstuck from the tire. Is the is the three thirty three um, a soft tire? Because that happens on those things; they come unglued. But yeah, it looks a little bit looks a little bit thing. Where does that go, Logan? Here's a pen. Um, I'll tell you something I know about that bike. It has a it, it still has the screen at the end of the the muffler. Where is that? Is that past halfway? Just slightly. Just, Just slightly. slightly. Endo. You're saying slightly endo? Like 1% endo. 1% endo. Well, that's pretty waffly, but yeah, okay. Logan says your bike endos, Dave. So next time you're out at the class, you know, he's coming to the class. He's actually written a bike because this, this bike was here. It was yeah. out here for his rally stuff training and uh, it w- went back to Atlanta. So, okay. Next bike up is Jeff Hammond. Uh, 2012 EXC 350 desmogged EFI tuner pipe opened. That's what that's what uh, David should have done. He should have opened the pipe. So what is uh, what is this one? What are you thinking, Logan? Um, enunciate. Enunciate. Blinged out with um, anodized orange stuff. Right like foot pegs and levers. Are those the uh, extended foot pegs, or like the adventure foot pegs, or are they just beefier I ones? I think they're just beefier. I think they're just beefier too. Actually, they're not long enough. They don't seem longer. I don't know. I can't. Can't right. really they, tell. They from look the, like they, in between. They, almost. they look almost like adventure pegs, like the fast way. He didn't. He didn't. He doesn't say what they are, so we don't know. Mm. So we just have to guess. Mm-hmm. Right. Where's that? Where's that? It's a green. It's green there. That's a weird color for us out here. Yeah. Yeah. Can you throw us up on the uh, up on the screen? Can we get that over here so we can see? Like we can get a copy of that. Oh, that's good. Yeah. What year is this again? Twenty twelve. That thing's pretty shiny mm-hmm. for that long. Yeah, that frame is really clean. I got a couple of those. Front front tires out of focus too. 
that he, he, whole kind of left side is. It looks like the, the camera was smudged over here. Oh, uh, yeah. He needs to work on his camera. You know somebody's going to get a $100 gift certificate from Takamoto based on your impressions? Yeah. You know what? You know you know what you got to do, Logan? You got to figure out, like, you got to come up with some stupid rule. This is what I would do if I were you. I would come up with some stupid rule where um, if we don't like any of the bikes, it, that, that you get to keep the money. That that would that's that's what I would do. Where is this going now? The Logan uh, College Fund. Uh, yeah. So fifty one or or is it forty seven? Fifty one. It so it's right over the top of Dave's bike. I I think this thing needs to be ridden more. Yeah. That's plain and simple. That's that's it. What was it? Was it EXC? It was it five hundred EXC, three fifty EXC, mm-hmm. and it had a. Oh, it had a, it had to have a headlight or a number plate. Number plate. It's got a number plate on it. Or AC. Okay. Still number plate and still had the turn signals on the back. <laughs> it's sliding down the scale. <laughs> Did you want it to go there? Yeah. That's yeah. Enough. Okay. You're in charge. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's Here. the next one? Let's keep this thing interesting, Logan. Let's make it rip. Uh, Evans. Matthew Evans yeah. has a 21. FE350 D smogged lucky carbon Baja designs XL80 headlight. I approve of those uh, dirt trick sprocket. They're not as good as the DDC ones. <laughs> DID X ring guts cover bulletproof designs, radiator and rear discards. Those are good. Next is an ECU and slip on. Hopefully just graduated college. So got to save up a little bit for the big ticket items. It's the kind of thing where a hundred dollars could go a little ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are we gonna? Are we gonna see? Do I get to see this over here? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Pull it up over here. Yeah, I like to see it too. Um, is this light on right now? No, no it's just the reflection. Yeah. But did he mention the front well, discard? No, no. That's a, that's the Cherby's plastic one. That's yeah, okay. But this one's yeah. this one's fine. Um, um, it, it's the big giant. <laughs> you know what? I kid you not. Is at some point we had a um. Uh, Yamaha a test bike and we put it we put one of those the discards on and this is in the, in the more recent future you know mm-hmm. and I was crawling around up in the upstairs and I was going through some stuff and I saw that thing yeah it has a giant freaking den in it like oh, I, no. I keep telling people to send me a picture one you, you found your own I den. found my own with a big giant den in it is this one that possibly made a trip to King of the Motos oh yeah Okay. Yeah, probably. It was I mean, that was that old was that water pump cover there too? The Yamaha or the one that that um uh what's his name up here smashed into it. No, he punched a hole in the radiator. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm thinking of uh like an old W I think it was a WR two fifty and you had to put JD uh JB Weld. I didn't know I would have thrown I would have thrown that way if I replaced it. So where's this bike at, Logan? What are you thinking? Just over the middle. Just over <laughs> Yeah, right about the yeah, is it is this is this is this you're gonna be your go to? You're just gonna this this. Well, middle, we need more in the middle. This, yeah, we need more in you the middle. You got more, more in the very drastic. Yeah, moves. It's the the middle's middle's kinda, pretty barren compared thin. to like we got some good ones on the endo, a lot of ones on the on the roost. We need more in the middle. No, so Logan's just doing he's just doing the job. So if you're yeah. lucky enough to submit this this uh, this week, you're just gonna get put in the middle for no other reason than we need it on the middle. So what did you, so it's just, there's nothing, there's, 
nothing substantial about this bike that makes it stand out from just being mediocre. Oh, there you go. Matthew. I like the story. I like the fact that he graduated from college. That's good. Yeah. I like the name, the fact that his name is Matthew and he just graduated from college. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. There's, there's, a, there's another thing. Yeah. It's another reason to be very mediocre in the middle. Yep. I wonder yep. if he drives a mom car. <laughs> so oh, yeah. good, good on you for doing that. A lot that. of there's fond memories in the mom car. Stuff, stuff falling away. Mike Shoss. Uh, Shoss. It's a 2021 KTM 300 XCW TPI. It has full wrap handguards from Enduro Engineering, radiator braces from Enduro Engineering, Moto ES skid plate and pipe guard, tubeless, a front tugger strap made from an old toe strap. So it's not a tugger strap. It's an old toe strap that you've turned into a grab handle because a tugger strap is, a, is an actual item that I can get you a discount code on if you um, send me an email. Sick-ass racing keyboard keyed ignition, a TPS sensor protector, metal fuel elbow. Would that be a 90-degree one for better flow? <laughs> um, idle screw mod from Nice CNC. For winter riding, I'm running a pair of AT81s with cold cutter studs in them. Love the show. Thanks very much from Ontario, Canada. A. Eh? So what are you thinking? Let's see this over here on the screen. Uh, the picture is not that good. No, the picture is not that good. Yeah, see, it's pretty blurry. Well, it's because up in Canada they don't have the best. Uh, yeah. They don't have the best uh, cameras yet. They haven't <laughs> let them. They haven't let them have them. Right, right. You know that that it's little known fact, but this is a fact that everybody in Canada lives underground. Really? Yeah, they live on. They they have beady little eyes. These mm -hmm. Canadians, I've heard about them. They and they live underground mm. all year long, and they they come out every once in a while in the spring. So he left his motorcycle up above ground, right here. Got it. He's got a. Is that a pipe protector? Is that stock? That's, that's stock. The, that's the stock that's a stock pipe. Yeah, that's yeah, the the way it's reflecting mm -hmm. off. The pipe looks big. Yeah. On that thing, and somehow it looks bulbous. But maybe that's the camera. It's like. Kind of, kind of like they don't have to have good cameras because they're the beady little eyes. They can't see that good, and it's so the the view's a little bit distorted. So that's that's what happens. I've heard. Okay, I just I've never I don't I've never really paid attention, but I didn't go to school that much either, Logan. You know what that's like? Yeah. They taught you all this in school, yeah. Or you're oh. learning. You're learning from me. Well, I would have asked the guy that lived like a hundred miles, maybe less from. Those BDI little guys. George, you mean? Matt. Oh, Matt lived in... in, in Alaska. Yeah, well, yeah, that's kind of like, that's Northwest Canada. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they're Americans there and they stay outside. They just drink. <laughs> that's why Matt had to come home. Okay, what do you think of Mike's bike? Um, there's... I'm impressed that he can ride in snow because... I don't understand how you do that. You, 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 it's really easy. It's balance and traction. Yeah, we, we but teach this in our it's class. Hard to get S those. The, uh, stud, the studs. Stud. Well, when the snow, it depends on the snow. Like if it's powdery snow, yeah, studs don't do a lot. You want your tire to cut in, and there's a certain depth of snow you're not going to be able to ride through. But when it when it cools, heats and cools and heats and cools, and it gets that hard, crispy layer on top, it's pretty crazy. And like with studs, you'd be blown away where you can go. But you have to replace the studs pretty frequently. 
Do you ever if you don't, if you don't hit rocks, yeah, you don't, don't, but yeah. And studs, real true studded tires are expensive. I used to just run sheet metal screws, real stubby street metal screws. I just screw them into the tops this, of the knobs. This was something most people who did the ice racing in Alaska. That's most, what most of them did. Yeah. It just saves the money. The low, the, low budge. Those. Yeah. Yeah. Thing there. Uh, where are you, what are you saying, Logan? Um, really centered. It's, Oh, really? It's really right down the middle. I'm so kind of well, surprised at your at your crazy idea to put it in the it's, middle. It's got a little weirdness with the ACU. I, I, I like the fact that he's willing to challenge the elements and, you know, come out of that, the ground, come out of the that, ground, that's come out from above ground and go riding. It's 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 admirable. I, I like this. So I, I'll, I'll put it a little above center for you there. Is that is that OK? Yeah. OK. Who wins? Uh College guy. Yeah. College guy. Yeah. I was so mean to that Canadian guy. I wanted to give it to him, (laughs) (laughs) but the college guy wins. That would be, uh, and don't think you can just like, you know, give us some tack, a little, little line at the end, just graduated college. So got to save up a little money for the big ticket. I don't think that that little, that little begging Matthew Evans. Yeah. Matthew Evans is the winner. Oh, you, you yeah. Get in touch with us. Um, and uh if if the canadian guy yeah i wonder i was saying i i don't know how hard it is for us to send shirts up there i'd send i'd send him a i'd send him a shirt but we'd probably have to tie it to a mole and send the mole up there to go underneath dig underneath the border and then take it out to him i don't know how expensive that would be <laughs> so we'll get in touch with uh get in touch with us we'll see if we can help you out okay so we're going to do our uh, lightning round of uh, last minute questions before i um i didn't have to do any holy water or light anything on fire logan hopefully you know your covid antibodies or whatever they aren't crawling like we're not playing footsie and you're not getting me sick over here because i've managed to dodge that bullet for um a long time now uh let's see dave said he that's exactly where he's thought um his bike to land uh kirk is having a beer and uh and then he's telling us it's just the light on the uh on the tire so riding in powder snow is like riding in sand to me um mm, i can kind of see it but i like how you i don't like how you can't see the ground Oh, that's a big problem. That's that's what gets me. Yeah, especially it's like sometimes when when it just it depends on how it falls. You know, if it falls straight down, you can still kind of see the contour of the ground. But if there is any wind blowing; it starts blowing it smooth stuff out. Or if it's the second or third snow, then you got like a hard layer underneath. It's sketchy. Yeah, like it's it's super, it's super sketchy. Oh, look at George. He's like, "Where's my TTR?" Like, well, submitted said- submitted at a last minute and expected to go to the front of the line just because you're a friend of the show and you allegedly paid somebody around here, paid somebody <laughs> off. He didn't submit it last minute, but I said in the post, it's the it was the first bike that was commented would get featured on tonight's show. Oh, well. And next next week will be the first four bikes submitted will be featured on the show. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're running low. Running low. Running low on the So send your pictures and send your videos and they'll be featured uh, live on the show. I was kind of hoping that my fire would have lit this board on fire and then we'd have to <laughs> what, what made you have a fire last week? I don't know. It was, it, it was just my just, spirit. My spirits were talking. He to wanted me. a little vigil for his lack of tequila. Yeah. Just, I, oh. just, yeah. A little thing. I just lit it on fire. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, what else do you do on this show? 
like get, get a couple questions, you know, light some candles and, you know, <laughs> holy water. Yeah. So, yeah, Logan, well, thanks again for coming down. Um, I hope you hope you're feeling better. Um, I would I would tell you to just, you know, take a shot of whiskey and you know, forget the doctor stuff. But that's probably I could get in trouble for that. Right. I mean, not with your dad or anything like that, no. but probably child protective services or something. Mm. Um, again, I'd like to thank our sponsors, uh, Taco Moto Co. for sponsoring Roosterando. That was awesome. A hundred dollar gift certificate goes out to the bike we deem the most, uh, maybe sometimes in need of it. Sometimes uh, the just the best story that comes with it. Um, sometimes the best picture. Definitely not the ones with the roost guards. Other sponsors include Logan. Oh, I was going to see how well you knew him. Oh, if I know the sponsors. Yeah. Yamaha, Scott Sports, Climb. Yeah. DDC Sprockets, mm -hmm. Costa Rica Unlimited. Yeah. And I am missing, uh, I don't know. Trail Tech. Trail Tech. Oh, yeah. Trail Tech. Yeah. So that's our that's our sponsor list. Um, don't forget to uh, check out jimmylewisoffroad.com. So oh, yeah. Online courses. Right. Matt can... Um, hook you up uh we have a beginner oh i was gonna i was gonna go off on this too <laughs> we have a beginner rider course by the way logan do you know about this i found that out today you're featured on it you're one of the beginner riders that we uh that yeah. we used in our some you're of our videos rider podcast yeah you're, you're yeah you're on the better rider podcast yeah. which subscribe to that on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify or youtube yeah i actually act professional on that one yeah and uh but the beginner rider, it, it's amazing because it's actually for beginner riders, not someone who's been riding for 15 years on the street. Like it's not beginner dirt bike rider techniques because it's beginner rider techniques. So we actually had somebody watch all of our videos and then ask for a refund because they said it was too beginner for him. So I don't know how we could better describe it. It, it does say it's designed for people who've never touched a motorcycle. Right. Yeah, never touched a motorcycle. It's a it's a real beginner rider series. So if you know somebody who you would like to teach and still maintain a relationship with, it's the best 40 bucks you'll ever spend for that person. So uh, do that. And if you want a little bit of a discount code, you can use Tech Talk 22 at the as the coupon code, correct? Correct. And you'll, you'll get 10% off. You'll get 10% off. So you will save a whopping $3 and your relationship. So um, don't say you didn't learn anything of value on this show tonight um learn to ride bob thanks for coming back we thought you were dead too we thought logan gave you the covid um uh matt good job thank you um also I, don't forget to uh what was the other thing i wanted to plug well you oh, didn't yeah, learn to ride clinic on uh april 16th oh I'm a beginner doing, rider clinic yeah i'm doing a be i'm start rather than just doing private lessons i'm going to try and do my own little beginner rider class right it's gonna so be a full day thing with lunch included okay rental bikes available limited spots though okay so send send your a significant other out here to beautiful Pahrump, nevada yeah reach out to me at matt at jimmylewisoffroad.com and uh i'll get you set up and yeah when you're when you're having that uh when that class is going on if you you know you're out here and we just want to go down the street we go down and get lunch at the uh at the uh the brothels <laughs> 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 which burgers are actually really good Really good burgers. <laughs> right. Um, okay. So with that, I think we're going to sign off. We'll see you uh, next week. And uh, if again, share this with a friend, 
click through on our Rocky Mountain link, click through on our Amazon link, and then we're going to get rich and ride off into the sunset. Or we'll see you out in the trail. Cheers. Cheers, guys.